0: Good morning again. morning. Um, anybody remember there used to be a Christian band named PFR. Anybody remember that? A few of you. Um, what does that stand for? Pray for rain. We need we need to pray for rain. <laughs> The church is called Calvary Green Meadow. <laughs> not Calvary Brown Meadow. <laughs> so we need to pray for rain this week. I guess Elijah, he prayed for rain. He prayed that it wouldn't rain, and then he prayed that it would rain. We need to pray that it would rain, and then we, we need to pray that it wouldn't rain. right? So it's going to rain this week. I think it's supposed to rain this week, right? And it'll green up pretty quick, but right now it's, just like, it's crunchy when you walk on it. And uh, so we need to pray for rain this week and then no rain next, the following Saturday. Let's open our Bibles. 1 John chapter 5, please. 1 John chapter 5. And last week we, we looked at uh, verses 16 and 17. 1 John chapter 5. Let's read verse 16 again. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray, and God will give him life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that he should pray about that. We talked last week, and and, uh, we're not going to talk about the whole thing here today, but I think the main thrust of this is, and the previous verses were about prayer, and the main thrust is that we need to pray for each other. We see each other having a hard time. We're called, we're commanded to love one another, to pray for one another. That's what we need to do. And and when we find out that somebody's having a hard time or, or, you know, stumbling, we need to pray for them. That's the first thing we do. And it says God will give them life. So uh, he said previously if we... You know, if we pray and we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. So here it's telling us that this is his will for us to pray for those that are having a hard time. What do we pray? We pray for repentance. We pray for healing. We pray for restoration. And I love those verses where it says that, uh, you know, Moses, he would stand in the breach Stand in the gap. It's the same word. Stand in this separation place between the people and God. And that's what we need to do. We need to step up and stand in the the gap for other people, our family members, our neighbors, those people that we know. Let's read. uh, We're going to look at verses 18 through 20 today. Let's read those verses, shall we? He says, We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. Even in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. Do you notice anything repeated in those three verses? Anybody? We know. We know. Three times He says it, and, and it kind of stands out, doesn't it? We know, we know, we know. And then near the end, He talks about us knowing Him. That's actually a different word. Uh, but this was very important John, something very, very important to John, 36 times he talks about knowing, he talks about knowing and and, uh, we saw just a few verses back in verse 13 he says, these things are written to those who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life verse 15, that you may know that you have what you ask in prayer This is an important thing, there's something about this, this Greek word, uh, there are two main Greek words for the word know, one is Edo, E-I-D-O, and the other is gnosko. and you've heard that one before. Gnosko is kind of learn and to know by experience, something you gradually learn and know. This word Edo is something more of a a definitive knowledge where we know this. It actually also means to see, we see it, I see it, I know it. It's a statement of fact. This is something that is for sure. And that's what he's talking about in these verses. There, uh, one commentator calls these three certainties in these verses. The three certainties, that we're certain about these things. And so we're going we're to look at those three things. And, and uh, at the end, um, I'm kind of wondering why he put them in this order. I'm kind of thinking it should have been the other way around, personally. And, I'll, and, and you'll see why. But the first thing that he talks about here in uh, verse 18, he says, We know that anyone born of God does not sin or does not continue to sin. And the one who is born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. He's talking about those who are truly born of God, truly born again. In chapter 5, the, the, in, in verse 1, he says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So there's this life that we have by being having the second birth, the, this birth in, in, through faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, we know, this is something we are sure about, that anyone who is truly born again, he will not continue in sin. He does not continue in sin. Now, does that mean that uh, if you're born again, you're never going to sin again? We talked about that, and and back in chapter 1 and and chapter 2, he says, you know, that if we confess our sins, what? He's faithful and just, and he will forgive us. And then then he says in chapter 2, I write these things so that you will not sin, but if you do, we have someone who stands as, you know, our intercessor, and that's Jesus, right? So he's not talking about the fact that we will never never stumble and fall. He's talking about this continuous, this subtle lifestyle of sin, this habitual sin, kind of just keeping on, going down this particular path that we know is wrong. According to what? According to what the Bible says is wrong. Not what society says is wrong, not what the culture says, because that's constantly changing, isn't it? I read a quote this morning uh, from Franklin Graham. You, you heard of him? Yeah. Anyway, Anyways, uh, Franklin, they're doing a crusade in, in uh, England. Can we turn these fans on, please, William? In the, in the box, this box over here, the top of the bottom right. Uh, he was talking to a guy named Piers Morgan. You have heard of him? He's a, you know, TV guy. And and uh, and Piers was saying to him, you know, you really should kind of, you know, adjust your message to fit the times. You know, people are changing, the times are changing. And and Franklin uh, you know, said to him, he said, "But God does not change." So are we going to go with just, you know, the, the changing of the times and what the world says is okay, or are we going to go with what God says? That's the thing. So he, so he says everyone who, or anyone who is truly born of God does not continue in this sin. Look back in chapter 3. He's talked about this before, and he keeps bringing this up because it's so important. chapter 3, verse 6, he says this, No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin, and this is what he's talking about in chapter 5, has either seen him or known him. If we continue down that path, he says, you know, it, it, this is proof of, of the fact you truly have a relationship with God. He's, he has neither seen him or know him, who continues that. Now, if we have seen him with, through faith and in our spirit, If we do know Him, it is going to change the way we live. It's going to change our lives. One person said this, if a person is genuinely born of God, they will not live in sin. They will not continue down this path. Someone else said this, and I like this, God's life in us will call us back to holiness. If we are truly born again, we have the Spirit of God living within us, He is going to call us to holiness. Amen. What is this word holiness? It, it, it means to be set apart. The word holy means to be set apart. And, and the Word of God tells us to be holy, He says, because I am holy. And if we belong to Him and we're part of His family, He's our Father, we're you know, one of His children, then we should ha- you know reflect the family. And if God is holy, He says you should also be holy and be set apart. If they can't tell us apart from the world, what does that say? What does the world say about that? <laughs> Why bother? Doesn't mean anything. You know, there was false teaching back then and, there, and there's false teaching as well today. We, you, you don't have to look very far to find it. That you can be saved and live any way you like. Now, living and, and doing things this doesn't mean, you know, we don't earn our salvation. Let's make that very, very clear. But if we truly are saved, it will change who we are. It will change the way we live. Uh, I'm reading a book. It's called Pastor to Pastor. And Erwin Lutzer, you've maybe heard of him. But he says this. He says, And he's talking about God's judgment. He says also, he says, we have accepted the world's values. We have accepted the world's values in entertainment, leisure, and success. We have lost our ability to critique society since the church is so often indistinguishable from the world The unconverted have no model of righteousness. They they don't see anything. If we are the same, we're watching all the same movies and garbage that this world is putting out. If we're listening to all the same garbage that is... And and, and when I say garbage, some of it is, is just plain garbage. Let's face it. If we're going to the same places that the world is going to and and you know we're drinking as much as the world is drinking, and we're looking at pornography just like the world is looking at pornography. There's something wrong. He goes on to say, what can we do? He says, the only hope for America can be found in the church. The body of Christ still wields awesome power. If we are brought to our knees, if we're willing to pay the price of obedience... God may begin to give us spiritual victories that could stem abortion, infanticide, and drug abuse. Perhaps in His grace, He might even be pleased to send us a spiritual awakening. Then He talks about not depending on the human agencies that turn turn the nation back to Him. He said, we must wait before Him, that is God, until He gives us the grace to weep for our nation and its leaders. We must repent of our comfortable relationship with the world. That's the church. This this is where the answers are. This is where the power is. It's in the church. What is the world seeing from us? Are they seeing anything different at all? Are we willing to stand up for, for truth and for what's right? For what God says is what is right. But notice in the second half of that verse... He doesn't just say, do that all on your own. Notice what he says here. He says says that in the second half of verse 18, he says, the one who was born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. In other words, God, Jesus, the Son of God, is protecting us. The ESV says, He protects us. The NLT says He he holds them securely. So you and I need the power of God to do anything in this world, which, again, should bring us to our knees. What can I do? Honestly, what can I do with my neighbors? I can't do anything, so it should bring us to our knees and say, God, use us. God, change us. God, work in us, because we can't do anything on our own. Jesus said it, apart from me, what? You can do a little bit. You can do some things. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. No thing. Look at at, uh, Jude, that little book, just two two books ahead. It's just a few pages, really. Uh, Jude says in verses 24 and 25, They call this the doxology of Jude. It says, To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Who's going to keep you from falling? Who's going to keep you from stumbling? Who's going to give you the power to to be presented before God's glorious presence? It's it's God is going to do that. Jesus is going to do that. Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will lift us up. That's what the Bible says. Peter says it as well. He says, through faith, we are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to to be revealed in the last time. So, so yes, you and I, we do not live, we do not habitually go, and, and we're different from the world, we're called to be holy, but, but it's the power of God that gives us that ability to follow him. Does that make sense? You know, Jesus, when, when he prayed in, in his prayer, which John 17 is really the Lord's prayer, I think. What we call the Lord's Prayer is the prayer that He taught us to pray. That's our prayer. But He says this in in John 17. He's, He's talking to the Father. He says, while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe. There's something about the fact that Jesus is protecting you and I. He's keeping us. He's keeping us safe. He says, He kept them safe by the name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction. That is Judas so that scripture would be fulfilled. And then he said this, he said, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. That's what Jesus prayed. He prayed that the Father would protect us. Now, when Jesus prayed, do you think it was God's will, what he prayed? Absolutely. Notice he says there, the evil one cannot harm him. The evil one cannot touch him, some versions say. The word means to actually grasp or cling to, lay hold of. You know, you and I, we, we, we are protected. God has, has given us this protection. And, and the enemy lies about this. He says, you know, I've got you now, but you know what? We need to come back and say, that's not what the Bible says. That's what Jesus did in his battle with, with the enemy, didn't he? He said, but that's not what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. You can't touch me. You can't lay hold of me. David Guzik said, because we are born of God, Satan can't attach himself to us. He can't cling to us. Someone else said this, that the evil one, he assaults us, but he can't sever the vital connection between us and Christ. He can't do it. Jesus said it too in John 10. He says, we can't be snatched out of the Father's hands. We can't be snatched out of His hand. So there's something that, that you and I need to know about this life, that we have power, and, and, and the, the power of God is, is going to protect us. So that's point number one, and, 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 and that, that we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin because we have the power of God. He's keeping us, He's keeping us safe, and the enemy cannot... Touch us, cannot harm us, cannot cling to us, grasp a hold of us. That's point number one. Point number two found here in in verse 19. He says, we know that we are children of God. We know that. We we see that. It's an established fact that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know that, and, and he talked about that back in verse 13. Uh, we know that we are the children of God. We know that we are his. Do you know that? Is this a, a certainty of your, of your faith that you are a child of God, that he is your father? Paul said it in Romans chapter 8. He says, you didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship. And by, we, by him we cry, Abba, Abba. Father, there's this, the Holy Spirit within us is bringing this Abba Father, this this cry of our hearts. He said, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Do Do you know that? That's what John's saying. We know. We know without a shadow of a doubt. We know that this is for sure. I'm a child of God. We have to be able to say that. And the enemy you know, it's a whole different thing here. The, the enemy, he says, you know, is control in control of the world. The whole world is under the control of the evil and this world system in rebellion against God. And the Bible tells us that Satan is the god of this age, the god of this world, doesn't it? It says that, that he's the prince of this world. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. This is this whole thing to try to keep people from seeing who Jesus really, really is. So we we kind of see in this verse two camps or two different spheres. One is those who belong to God and those who do not belong to God. They belong to the world. Those who belong to God no longer under the sway, under the control of the evil one. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. John told us in chapter 4. But those who belong to the world are under the control, under the sway of the evil one. This this is the way it is. And so so he says you're, you're either one or the other. It's kind of like there's no middle ground. I see that sometimes people, you know, and, and maybe we, we all do it from time to time. We try to walk in both. You know, we, we try to, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, but I'm also going to walk in the world and just fall, go along with the world. You can't do that. It will tear you apart, literally. That's why Joshua said, you know, choose this day who you will serve. Didn't he say that? That's where we have the famous quote, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So he said, choose you this day. Who, who are you going to serve? Are you going to follow God or are you going to just go with the world and, and, and not follow him? And you and I need to be serious about this. Who am I going to follow? There's no middle ground. Perhaps that's what John was talking about in, or Jesus was talking about in the book of Revelation where we become lukewarm. We're neither hot nor cold. We're kind of like right in the middle. we just, you know, a little bit of both, a little bit of each. Point number two, we know that we are his children. That was supposed to be up there. But point number three, verse 20, says, we know also, we know it, That the Son of God has come and He's given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. We know that the Son of God has come. We know that. There was false teachers back then saying, you know, it was just kind of an apparition. It was a spiritual thing. It wasn't true. He didn't really come and take a human body. No, we know and we believe in the incarnation, meaning that Jesus came and He took the form of a a human body and 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 He became flesh. John said it in the gospel. The word became flesh and he dwelt among us. Jesus Christ has come. We know that. Listen, don't don't argue with me. Jesus has come. It's kind of ridiculous, uh, you know, the the history uh, of the fact that Jesus came to the earth, whether you believe he was the son of God or not. There was a man named Jesus who came to the earth. So how could you even say that he didn't? But the fact of the matter is, this is a a cornerstone, one of the cornerstones of our faith, that Jesus Christ has come. The Son of God has come. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. He sent his Son. And Jesus came. It's interesting when you look at what he says here, he's come. He's come in what? He's given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. Why did he come? Why did Jesus come? Did he have to come for himself? Did he need to come for himself? No, he came for us. He came so that you and I would have uh, an understanding so that we could know God, so that we could know the truth. Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. and No man comes to the Father except through him. There, There is no hope apart from Jesus. Remember Jesus walking along the road to Emmaus with a couple of disciples and, and they were talking and, and uh, you know, they didn't really know that it was Jesus there with them. Well, They're talking about all these things that happened and about what Jesus had done and, and, and all the stuff that had, had happened. And then it says that Jesus opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. That's what Jesus does. He opens opens our understanding. Before we're born again, the the unspiritual man doesn't understand the things of God. The natural man does not understand the things of God. But God, by His Spirit, opens our understanding so we can see it. We can see it and we can know it. We know the Son of God has come and and He's given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. This word know here is the word ginosko, where it says that we may know him who is true. And this is to know by personal experience. This is something that we grow in, that we, that we learn and we grow in. We know that he's come, but now we're growing and learning him. We're learning about him. We're learning to know him. More and more now it's it's obvious that he doesn't need to learn to know us because he he's God so he knows us perfectly he knows everything about us but but us on the other hand we we learn by experience we know him by experience there's something about uh, someone who has developed a relationship a growing relationship with Jesus with the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit where where it's like the, the it's like people can see it. there's something different about you. It's your relationship. This ongoing relationship. And that is why he came for us. Notice he talks about eternal life in that last part of the passage, true, uh, 2. He says he is the true God in eternal life. And it, it really gets down to... Uh, again this relationship because Jesus said it in John 17 3 this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent this is what eternal life is all about a relationship with God knowing him knowing him it says in 2nd Corinthians 5 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. He reconciled us to him through his son Jesus, and that's what he wanted. You see, but, but when that happens, he says, you're a brand new creation. Something has changed. You have a brand new life. So we know that the Son of God has come, uh, point number three. But when we look at these things, and, and, and I said, I kind of wonder if it should it be the other way around. Now this is the way he, he gave it to us, the inspired word of God. But, but first we come to know that Jesus has come. And then we receive him, we believe in him, we trust him, and then we become children of God. And then it kind of affects the way we live. So I'm going to talk to him about that when I get there. But John is writing to believers here. And maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. Listen, remember this. And he's brought it up so many times. If we say that we know him, but we're doing this, it doesn't add up. If we profess this, but our lives are doing something different, But it's built on the fact that we're children of God. And there should be a family likeness. And the only way we could become children of God is by Jesus coming, by the Son of God coming. That's the only way, the only hope that we had to become children of God. God was reconciling us to himself through his Son, Jesus Christ. These are certainties of the faith. These are the rock-solid foundations of our faith. We know these things. These are, you know, you want to talk about doctrine. You want to talk about, uh, about theology. These are, these, are, these are things that we need to build our lives upon. You know what? I'm a child of God, and I'm going to live as a child of God. I'm going to follow and serve Him. I don't care what the world is saying is the right way to go. We kind of waffle on so many things, don't we? No. Now, we don't have to become, you know, uh, offensive and just, you know, slamming everybody in the face about the things, but, but we need to know what we believe and why we believe it and stand upon it. And we find that where? Here in the book. One last thing I want to I say, in that because I think about this a lot is how does, how does this happen? How do these things happen? How do we know these things? How do we develop this relationship with God? It's a daily walk. And, and I say it over and over, and I will keep saying it. Peter, he talks in his letter, he says, you know, I keep repeating these things, but, you know, I want you to be able to remember them after I am gone. And one day, I am going to be gone. It could be today for all I know. I don't know. But I'm going to keep saying this, that you need a personal time of relationship with Jesus every day. You need to have a devotional life. I'm not ashamed to say this. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just telling you that this is part of the Christian life. And if you can look through history, you'll see it over and over again, where people, women and and and, Men and women, children who have a relationship with God have a devotional life where they are in the word of God and they spend time with Jesus on a daily basis. That is what's going to make a difference. I promise you, and I can honestly promise you, because I've, I've had times in, in my life where I would go weeks and weeks, you know, whatever, but now I, I know it, and I was taught this from, from day one, though, that you needed to have a time a quiet time, call it whatever you like, devotions. You need to have a time. We have so many distractions in this world, believe me. I know. But this is what's going to make a difference in your life. I will promise you that, because I've seen it in my own life, I've seen it in countless people's lives around me. Get into the Word. Spend time with him. Spend time in prayer. Not just one verse, you know, one week. I'm going to look at this verse. I'm going to uh, jump over here. Get in and read it. It, You you know how to read. We have versions now that anybody can read. Five-year-olds can read. We have versions. Is that true? That's a plea of my heart. You know what? Uh, That's what keeps me alive on a daily basis. That's what gets me through the trials and troubles of this life on a daily basis. That's what you need too. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word and thank you for your Holy Spirit that is teaching us and challenging us and even rebuking us from time to time so that we... would represent you in a way that's truthful and clear that we are children of God and it's affected the way i live it's affected the way i think it's affected the things i do the things i look at the things i read the places i go the conversations i allow to you know fill my brain father give us the strength and and the the willpower and the the power to say no. Teaches us that verse in Titus, teaching us to say no to ungodliness and worldly lusts. Just because the world says it's okay, Father, I know your word says something different. I pray that you would help us to rise up as a church and 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 be a true light and be true salt in the world we are the salt of the earth and the light in the world because of jesus living within us help us lord i pray we know it's a battle it's a spiritual battle but satan can't hold on to us he can't grasp us he can't cling to us he can't force us to do anything because we have the spirit of God living within us and greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Jesus, I pray right now too that I I know you're calling, you're you're wanting to reconcile some back to the Father, maybe even here today. And certainly you're you're at work in the world uh, today bringing people to a relationship with God through the cross. And maybe that's you today. You can can give your life to Jesus today by by surrendering and saying, Jesus, come. I believe in the cross. I believe in what you did for me. And I surrender and I, I ask you, Lord, to save me, rescue me today. that I might know you and know the Father in heaven and have that true eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.